Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Hey, hey, before we dive into this episode, I want to make sure you know about something really special. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and so I wanted to share a little bit more of my story with you in this episode, but I also brought back my shop called Soul Scripts, and the mission statement of that shop is, we give you the words when you have none. We wanted to provide a product line with uh, crewnecks and t-shirts and jewelry that you could send to a friend who may be walking through a loss or maybe just walking through a hard season, whether she's experienced a miscarriage or struggling with infertility or is going through something completely different, maybe a breakup or a health diagnosis, a scary health diagnosis, or has just been working overtime in the healthcare system or is just weary, we wanted to provide you with something that would provide some comforting words and let her know, hey, I'm here for you, I'm here with you, and we're going to get through this together. So whether you want to send something to a friend or just want to wear it yourself and be reminded that you're not alone. The shop is currently open until October 7th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So doors are closing soon if you're listening to this on the day that it airs. And as a podcast listener, I want to make sure I give you a special discount code just to say thank you for supporting the show. So if you grab anything from the shop, either for yourself or for a friend, you can get 15% off with the code SHE15. Just enter it at checkout and it'll take 15% off your order. Okay, all that said. This episode, I'm diving into an update on the journey to motherhood and what that looks like, and I won't make you wait any longer. Let's just get right into it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. If you have followed me on social media for any amount of time in the last year, you may know um, a little bit about my journey to motherhood, and many have asked about um, the testing that I've been undergoing and the answers that I found after suffering two miscarriages back-to-back this year, and honestly, it's been a painful and frustrating journey to find answers, one that sometimes has me feeling like I've got a one-way ticket on the struggle bus, Um, and it's also kind of different because I'm not doing traditional or true fertility testing, um, at least not that I know of, because We haven't actually struggled in terms of getting pregnant. It's been more the 
staying pregnant side that has been um, the royal struggle. And we've gotten pregnant pretty quickly both times. Um, So we're not really looking into anything that has to do with fertility in terms of conceiving. We're more looking into, is there potentially anything genetically going on that could be increasing our risk of losses? And if not, or even if so, um, could there also be anything going on with my health? Because there's a few things that we've looked into with Matt, but mostly... um, It's been really looking at my micronutrients and um, a lot of things in my body that to see if there's anything that could be hindering or disrupting um, pregnancies. And so although Matt has been really involved and really proactive about um, making lifestyle changes as well, just as we've learned different things about how certain environmental factors or nutrition factors can affect this kind of thing. Um, A lot of the testing has been me um, just digging into my overall health. So um, all that said, you know, I think the best thing that I just, the first thing I want to highlight, not the best thing, the first thing is that I've really learned solutions don't happen overnight. And you can't just Amazon Prime your life. Although, trust me, I wish I could in this case. I'd like to just fast forward through the season and be at a place where we're at where we want to be. Um, but in the process, I am learning what it looks like to remain fiercely committed to you know, fighting for my family while also trying to walk in faith as much as that has been a royal struggle this year because so much of this is just out of anyone's control. I'll touch on that a little bit later. But All that said, there's still a lot of questions and things we're figuring out, but we've also seen some progress and made some big steps forward. So I want to share with you the steps that I've taken on this rocky, hard, long journey to motherhood. And for those of you who have been in or are in a similar place, I just want to also speak to your heart and let you know that you're not alone. It's not your fault. And we're going to get through this with grit and grace together. All right. So just to give you a little bit of a recap of the story, just in case you aren't familiar with my journey, Uh, my journey started last year, just a few weeks before Christmas. My husband and I learned that we were pregnant with our first baby, and we were just so excited to welcome this new life into our world. But then on Christmas Eve, I ended up having to go to the ER because I was having bleeding, and um, they diagnosed me with a threatened miscarriage, and I had to do a follow-up a few weeks later after the holidays and when we did that's when we found out we had lost the baby i shared that whole story in episode 92 of the podcast if you're curious um i'm not going to go too deep into the details or the pain or anything like that but one thing that i was surprised by that i wanted to highlight after that loss is that the traditional medical system and i think it has to do with insurance like insurance doesn't really cover testing if you've had one miscarriage typically um, usually it's only after two or three Um, But I just couldn't believe that like the overall standard or that the traditional medical system tells women not to undergo testing until they've had multiple losses because miscarriage is just so common. And so I sometimes want to be like, um, okay, well, cancer is common or, you know, uh, like anything else, like kidney stones are common, but does that mean we're just going to, you know, I don't know. It's just like, there's different, there's other issues that we're more proactive about. And sometimes I think maybe just cause I've been through it and I've understood now what it's like, it maddens me to think about like that women aren't being encouraged to look into their health or even just optimize their health if they've undergone a loss. Like your body goes through a lot. And so all that, I just believe, you know, women shouldn't have to go through multiple losses before looking into what might be wrong or even being encouraged if she wants to look into what's wrong. I mean, we get annual tests all the time and 
check for other issues. So why is it that when it comes to the loss of babies, we're told not to seek any kind of answers right away typically? I mean, I'm really thankful. I believe my OB and the the healthcare professionals that I've been working with have been really willing to be proactive with me. Um, But I know that's not the case in the majority of, you know, that's not always the majority of cases. And um, I have had many friends share with me that, you know, their doctor was like, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You'll, You'll catch them next time kind of thing. As if it's like, you know, they just... I don't know, made a mistake on a, you know, in a softball, like a church league softball game or something like you'll get them next time. It's like, I lost my baby. I mean, I just can't wrap my head around it. But anyways, all that said, I'll get off my soapbox, but I just think I wish we were a little bit more proactive about preventative care in this country or just even be more educated on just some basic things like understanding our hormone health and different things like that. So anyways, after our first loss, I just wanted to kind of get a better picture of my, of my overall health. I wanted to try to find the cause, but I knew realistically I probably wasn't going to be able to pinpoint that, um, especially because in that loss I miscarried naturally. And so usually when that happens, it's harder for them to test um, the fetal DNA or the fetal tissue for chromosome um, abnormalities. So it's hard to know um, and really do anything with. But um, I just thought, you know, even if I can't find answers, I want to just get a better picture. I've been on the go a lot in the last few years. I really reflected on my life and I was like, I was drinking like two lattes a day and, you know, not sleeping regularly most of the time. And I just thought I want to get a better picture of my overall health and see if like there's anything that's a red flag that's coming up, you know? So anyways, we started working with a functional medicine doctor and just discovered a few, um, minor things like it didn't seem like there was anything super alarming but certainly some some factors we wanted to optimize such as gut health and a few other things I'll touch on but you know I I started to make some lifestyle changes and you know cut out like I found out I had a sensitivity to gluten and so I cut that out of my diet and inflammatory foods like dairy I cut that out um And so I started to make those lifestyle changes and then we were still kind of in the process of getting some test results back when we learned that we were pregnant again just a few months later. So that was really exciting. I was a little nervous because I was like, I don't even really know all the results of these tests, but I also try not to panic because I knew I went going into it. I said I wanted to be proactive, but I don't want to panic and delay pregnancy, you know, unnecessarily or out of fear because I also understood that it is common and it likely wouldn't happen again, right? And I'm generally healthy is kind of how I looked at it. So anyways, once I found out I was pregnant again that spring, we found out in April, I got pregnant in March. We really thought that that was our rainbow baby and that this was going to be our redemption story. And so I think what made it so hard was that I carried much longer, almost, let's see, I carried basically to the start of the second trimester. So I thought I was in the safe zone, which now I realize there is no safe zone. That's just a silly concept. Um, But in the middle of June, we found out that we had lost that baby too at 13 weeks and that was shocking. That was devastating. We had seen three ultrasounds in the most recent ultrasound at about 11 or so weeks. We had seen a fully formed little body wiggling around with a strong heartbeat and little arms and legs. And it just felt so real all of a sudden. And I finally let myself like, I let it go a little bit. I had really guarded my heart and kind of held the whole thing at an arm's distance throughout the whole first trimester. So making it to the end like that and seeing so much abundant life in my womb, I was like, oh my gosh, I think for the first time it's finally going to be okay. And then two weeks later, it wasn't okay. And that devastated me. It shocked me. It rocked me. And I've not shared, I don't have an episode to refer you to, to say like, you can hear this story in that episode. It was 
10 times harder. I mean, the first one was already so hard and so painful, but the second one, I don't know if it was because of the double whammy or the physical trauma I went through that was so much longer and more severe or because I carried longer and had more time to bond or all of the above, but it was just like such a harder experience. And so I haven't really shared the details of that publicly. I've just shared that it happened. Um, and I don't know if I ever really will. Um, so anyways, not necessary. The point is, is that it was two losses back to back. One was kind of more of an early miscarriage around seven and a half, eight weeks. But the second one was much further along. I had made it through the whole first trimester and it was pretty inexplainable and shocking. So that, especially being that much further along, really made me say, okay, I'm going to dig deep into figuring out what the heck is going on. And I had to go into it knowing like I still may not get answers, but I at least want to get a better overall picture. Because when I first started working with that functional medicine doctor, it was to get just kind of an overall picture of my health. So we did like baseline hormone tests to see if there was anything abnormal or, you know, unbalanced. We did, we just checked my gut health and checked my thyroid. So it was, and, and food allergies. So we just did like a general panel. Um, but there was a lot of other things I wanted to look into and I wanted to revisit some of the tests because once I found out I was pregnant a few weeks later, you know, the second time, a few weeks later, we got some of the remaining results back and I saw like, oh, this might be something to be paying attention to, but I can't do anything about it now because I'm pregnant. So once I lost that baby, um, it really kind of jumpstarted me into saying, okay, I want to pursue some of these clues that we found in the first round of, you know, initial testing. So that's kind of what I'm going to cover with you today. If you want to know more also about what functional medicine is, you can listen to my podcast episode with Adrian Nolan Smith called Advocate for Your Health. Um, basically, a functional doctor's approach is different from the traditional healthcare system because they spend their time digging to find the root cause of an issue rather than treating the symptoms. So say you have chronic cystic acne, something that I had for a long time. They would say, okay, why do you have chronic cystic acne? Oh, is it because your hormones are imbalanced? Okay, well, why are your hormones imbalanced? Oh, is it because you have this chronic infection over here or because you have leaky gut or because you have an overgrowth of candida in your gut? Like, let's get to the root cause that's throwing all this stuff off. And then it'll eventually help the, the actual symptom you're having or showing Whereas typically in a traditional healthcare setting, they'll usually say, oh, you have acne, here, take Accutane, or here, take whatever drug will just, you know, zap the symptom, but may not actually solve the root problem. So that's kind of the difference. That's my like layman's way of describing it in layman's terms. Um, but all of that said, I'm not a doctor, not trying to be a doctor, not even trying to medically educate you. I just want to share with you my own journey and the tests that we've done as we've searched for answers based off of our situation and our story, which is likely very different than yours. Um, but what I've done might not be what you need to do. So if you are going through your own journey, journey of losses or miscarriage or anything else, I want to encourage you to see a professional and pursue your own answers. Some of these tests would, might be great for you to pursue. Some of them may not. You may want to just do an overall hormone check or overall um, gut health check prior to trying to get pregnant. And some of these tests may sound interesting to you or worth trying or you know, worth doing before even trying to build your family just to understand your own body, which I think is wise. And I wish I would have done prior to like, you know how they test you to see if you're, you know, if you were going to get LASIK eye surgery, they, they check to see if you're a candidate. I'm kind of like, why do we not have that approach with pregnancy? You know, like, okay, if I'm going to go try to carry another life, like, let me see if there's, let me just get like a basic view of my hormones and my overall just gut health and maybe thyroid health or just something, a few baseline tests like that. Um, can be really helpful. It's given me so much information about my body that I just didn't know. Um, 
Anyways, so that's something you may consider or be interested in doing as well. And so any of these tests that sound interesting to you, ask your doctor about them or consult, you know, uh, whether it's a physician or um, a holistic practitioner or something like that about this. It may be something worth looking into. Having said that, let me share with you what I've learned. So quite a few things came back normal with no signs of anything we need to address. And then we had a few tests that gave us some clues that we kind of had to pursue a little bit more and have started to get some clarity on. So I'm just going to go through the list of all the different things we tested, and then I'll share kind of what I've learned with each test. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. So we tested for structural abnormalities, PCOS, hormones and hormone imbalance, genetic testing, um, chromosome testing on the fetal DNA, uh, thyroid. We tested for autoimmune and clotting issues in my blood. We tested for a gene mutation called MTHFR. We tested for food and environmental allergies. We tested my gut health and we did a micronutrient kind of overall vitamin check. Okay, so I'm going to break down each one of these because <laughs> I'll explain what each one is. So the first, structural abnormalities. So some women are born with a uterus that is shaped abnormally, which I didn't even know till I started this process. But depending on the shape, it can lead to problems with the pregnancy. I asked my doctor about this and my ultrasounds show no sign of anything abnormal in this department. So everything checked out there. 
Now, PCOS, PCOS is a hormonal disorder that affects about 10% of women. It usually involves higher levels of male hormones and causes the ovaries to develop small collections of fluid called follicles or almost like cysts on your ovaries. That's how I understand it. Um, blood tests, though, checking for hormone levels as well as, you know, seeing if I had any of those follicles or cysts on my ovaries during ultrasounds showed that this wasn't an issue for me. I don't have any symptoms of PCOS or any um, red flags that show that this would be something to be concerned about. Um, hormone imbalance. So I had some blood work done to check if my hormone levels were in normal range. And I've actually had this done a lot because after like during pregnancy, they have to check your hormones like progesterone and whatnot. After it, they tend to serial monitor you every four to six weeks. They'll test and see if your hormones have balanced again, or at least that's what my OB has done. So all of that said, when I had the initial work done after the first loss, like I mentioned, just getting that baseline hormone test done, um, the majority of my hormones came back normal. The Really the biggest thing we were looking to see was if my progesterone levels were low because that's a common cause of miscarriage, but everything came back looking relatively normal here. I think I had like low of normal progesterone when I happened to test at that point in my cycle, but then when I got tested during pregnancy, my progesterone was almost in second trimester range during the first like six weeks. And then we tested it again. I actually, we did a low dose supplementation too, just to try to sustain the pregnancy because I was so nervous about it. And that actually didn't really do anything. So that must have not been the problem is essentially what we did. We ruled that out as a problem. Um, next thing we tested was genetic testing. So when I say genetic testing, we specifically looked into something called translocation in both my genes and in Matt's genes. Translocation is when two sections of chromosomes have essentially switched places, at least that's how I understand it. That's how I describe it in layman's terms. But when this happens in one or both of the parents, it can essentially increase the risk of chromosomal abnormalities occurring in the development of a fetus, and that can prevent them from growing properly. I was really nervous about this one because there's very little you can do about that. Um, I think you can help try to negate that with things like like more invasive procedures, but I was a little bit nervous about it. We ended up getting tested. Mine came back normal, so then they had to test Matt because they always start with the mother. If that comes back normal, they test the father, and his were normal too when they tested his, and so that was a big relief. No issues there. Another thing we tested was chromosomes. So we, like I said, with the first loss, we weren't able to do this with the fetal tissue or the fetal DNA, but in the second loss, I had to have a DNC just because my body didn't not recognize that it needed to, you know, that it wasn't pregnant or that the baby wasn't growing still. And so um, anyways, because I had a DNC, I was told, you know, hey, if we do the surgery, we can test the fetal tissue to see if there are any chromosomal abnormalities because that could give us, you know, an immediate answer. And so I said, okay, that's great. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, but unfortunately, after waiting for a few weeks after that surgery, the test came back inconclusive because of maternal cell contamination um, to the DNA. Basically, like they couldn't determine the difference between my blood or my DNA and the baby's DNA. Um, it was all kind of like together. And so again, I don't really understand how labs work, but that was really upsetting for me and frustrating for me. I think that was kind of like a low point and a breaking point because that was about a three to four weeks after the surgery. And I was really holding out to, you know, get some sort of like, even if it was just, nope, this wasn't the issue. I would have felt like, you know, okay, we can rule that one out. Um, but it ended up coming back inconclusive. And I think that was, it was just hard for me. It was just like, seriously, like I've been waiting for this answer. Like hopefully I thought, I think I thought it was going to give me some sort of closure. And when it didn't, um, 
that just kind of sent me over the edge a little bit. Um, And I think also it was hard because I was never told or clearly explained that that was a possibility. I was under the impression that if we did the surgery, we would test the chromosomes. If If we tested the chromosomes, we would get an answer from it. So because I already had a lot of, I just had a hard time with the idea of having the surgery to begin with. Like it's just, it messes with your mind and I won't go into the details of the graphics of it, but it was really hard for me to even be okay with doing the surgery. But I thought, okay, but if I do it, I can get an answer. And so I think that's why it really upset me when I still didn't get an answer and had to go through with that and then had a bunch of follow-up trauma and, and, you know, just complications after the surgery. So Again, don't want to get into the graphics, but unfortunately, the chromosome test came back inconclusive, so we never got an answer from that. And essentially what that means is that all of this testing that I'm sharing with you that I've done, like I've done all of this, been poked a bajillion times, and it could still just have boiled down to really crappy luck in two, you know, in in both cases, or, you know, it could have just boiled down to chromosomal losses and there's not really anything that has to do with my body because of that. And I'll just never really know that for sure. So Anyways, that's frustrating. But because that was inconclusive, that is why we did the genetic testing. If we, my, my OB told me if we're not able to get chromosome answers, we'll look at both sets of parents because every pregnancy is different. So if baby number two was because of a chromosome abnormality, and that's why we lost that baby, that doesn't mean it's likely to reoccur in baby number three. Um unless we had something called translocation, which essentially says like you do have an increased chance of loss because of chromosome abnormalities due to something in you or the father's genetics. So that's really why we pursued that translocation testing, but thankfully that came back normal. Now, like I said, while a lot came back normal or frustratingly inconclusive, we did have a few tests that gave us some clues, one being thyroid tests. Now, What's interesting is outside of my, outside of pregnancies, my function, my thyroid function is normal. Um, the only potential uh, kind of small clue we found was a possible, or it was a very mildly elevated antibody in my in my thyroid, and we actually found that back in February when I did the testing after our first loss, and I found out about it when I was already pregnant with our second, and so we weren't really able to do a lot about that because once you get pregnant, your hormones and everything go crazy in your body, and so my functional doctor was like, honestly, it's so mild, it could be nothing. Let's Let's just monitor it and see how it goes throughout this pregnancy and we'll, you know, kind of look into it in the future. So all that said, that was one small thyroid thing that we're actually kind of serial monitoring right now um, and so still trying to get some clarity on. But the other thing that was interesting about my thyroid is that although my function, my thyroid function is normal outside of pregnancy, during both pregnancies, my thyroid stimulating hormone called, or it's often known as TSH, were really elevated in both pregnancies, causing what looked like a case of subclinical hypothyroidism. Although what's, I think another hormone that they test with that is called T4. T4 was totally normal. Um, so it was just weird. My TSH like went way out of range and they want it under, I think, 2.5 when you're pregnant. And mine was at like 6.3 or 6.7 or something in that range. So it was like three times what it really should be. So that was a little bit alarming. Um, so all that said, because my thyroid function is normal outside of pregnancy, but seems to go kind of wacky inside of pregnancy, and then there's put this potential antibody, it's something that my OB and my functional doctor in tandem are really monitoring to try to get a full picture of you know, before getting pregnant again so that we can have an action plan going forward. So that one's still a little bit kind of under investigation, but nothing crazy severe, just trying to get a better handle on what could be going on here. Another um, 
tests that we pursued were, we tested for clotting issues specifically because my second loss was much later. It was nearly a second trimester loss. And I actually spoke with the hematologist and they said when a woman has a second trimester loss or a later loss like that, or has had multiple losses, which in my case is both, I've had multiple losses and one of them was much later, they usually will test for clotting disorders known as um, like lupus anticoagulant or um, factor five and just different um, clotting disorders like this where essentially... Basically, your body can develop antibodies against your own blood vessels or immune system, which can cause tiny clots to form within your blood. And I think at least the way I understand it is when you're pregnant, your blood supply doubles or, you know, it drastically increases. And so sometimes what can happen is if you have one of these blood clotting disorders, they've found that these tiny clots that can form in your blood can kind of get stuck between the uterine wall and the placenta and like cut off nutrients during, you know, to the fetus during pregnancy. So all that said, I worked with this hematologist as well as my functional doctor and OB. And my hematologist did some blood draws to test for antibodies that could indicate a number of different clotting disorders. And when he tested, I all of the tests came back negative for the specific clotting disorders. One was cardiolipin, a cardiolipin antibody. One was beta-2 glycoprotein antibody, which is essentially like there's two types of proteins that can cause this clotting um, lupus anticoagulant and factor five. So all of those came back negative. Like I didn't have any of those disorders, but we did find slightly elevated levels of antiprothrombin antibodies. Um, so this could suggest it's something worth looking into. So my doctor, my OB, my hematologist, my functional doctor are kind of serial testing that to see if that increases at all or just monitoring it. Um, my OB actually called me the other day and told me she spoke with, a. um, I think it's called a maternal fetal medicine specialist based on my case and based on some of the antibodies that are coming up. Although it's not showing that I have, you know, I guess it needs, it's like certain amounts of antibodies will then trigger a positive result for these tests for these certain clotting disorders. I guess I don't have the full blown disorder, but there are a couple antibodies that they're seeing. Some are in IgM mode, some are in IgG mode. It's kind of confusing. I don't even really understand what those means. I guess IgM means it's like new and could be temporary. IgG means it's permanent in your blood. So most of what they found is IgM. But I guess when she spoke with a maternal fetal medicine specialist, that that specialist recommended that if those IgM antibodies are still present when I get pregnant in the future, that it may be smart to put me on a low-dose blood thinner to help prevent any clotting from happening. So um, that may be part of a protocol in the future. Another um, test that we looked into is something called MTHFR. MTHFR is a gene that gives your body the instructions to make a protein that processes folic acid. Folic acid is in pretty much all the prenatals were recommended that, or that are recommended we take. And it's really important in pregnancy to help prevent birth defects um, of the baby's brain and spinal cord. But if your body has a mutation to the MTHFR gene, it can mean that your body isn't efficiently breaking down folic acid in food and prenatal vitamins into the form that your body needs to develop properly or to develop the baby properly. Um, A mutation in MTHFR can also lead to elevated homocysteine levels, which many doctors believe um, can cause tiny blood clots to form as well. Kind of another way that clotting can form and kind of cut off nutrients to the placenta. Um, that's kind of up for debate. I know some doctors, I mean, I've had one doctor tell me that's absolutely not a thing. And I've had another doctor tell me that it's absolutely a thing. So it's a little bit confusing. I think it's a newer finding. The good news is, um, well, the not so good news is I found out I do have a mutation to MTHFR 
It's not the most severe. I have um, heterozygous C677T. So there's like an A mutation and a C, or there's an A and a C side of it or something. And you can have a mutation to the A side or the C side or both. And I believe the, if you have homozygous, it's most severe. But if you have heterozygous, it's not as severe. That's like, again, how I understand it. I'm trying to put this in layman's terms. There's a lot to it. All that said, I did test positive for the heterozygous C677T mutation. And so for this, at a minimum, I have to take a special grade prenatal that has the right form of folic acid that kind of bypasses the breakdown process and gives your body what it would what it would need after it's been broken down. Um, but like I said, the good news is that we tested my homocysteine levels. Those came back normal, at least when tested outside of pregnancy. But this is just another thing that we're kind of jotting down as a clue. So again, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, there's nothing that's like insanely severe, but this is certainly a clue and an indicator and something that may be worth um, being proactive about and testing and could potentially be causing some sort of blood clotting at a maximum and at a maximum and at a minimum, um, basically not giving a developing baby in my body the right kind of um, folic acid it needs to develop properly. So there's that. Um, another thing we tested for was food and environmental allergies. Testing showed that I have a mild allergy to grapes and chickpeas, which is super random. Um, I also know that sometimes your body can react to those things or certain things if you're eating them a lot, which reflecting back, I had been eating a lot of fruit, specifically grapes, as well as a lot of hummus. And so that may be why my body was reacting to it a little bit, but we also found out I would have a sensitivity to gluten and um, I cut out basically all inflammatory foods, although I my testing showed I wasn't actually allergic to dairy or to wheat or anything like that. Um, a slight sensitivity to gluten, but because of some of the autoimmune potential, you know, some of these antibody type things that are going on in my body, um, they basically, my, my functional doctor basically suggested trying to eliminate or drastically reduce any inflammatory foods, which can be caffeine, alcohol, sugar, dairy, um, and like wheat and gluten or grains. And so all that said, that was one of the suggestions he made based off of some of these food and allergy testing um, tests because he basically found that my immune system is showing to be a little bit overactive due to environmental allergies. So although my food allergies aren't off the charts are crazy. There's not a whole lot of them. He did find that I have a lot of food or environmental allergies. And so that showed that my immune system was pretty overactive. Hence why we want to try to keep anything that could be causing inflammation in my body to a minimum. Um, the way I understand the immune, the immune system and how that is related to pregnancy is that when you're pregnant, your immune system ideally needs to be a little bit more dormant so that it doesn't attack the fetus or see it as a foreign invader. But if it's overactive, it can pose some risks. And so to help with that, we did some things in our home too, like we got our ducts clean and put air purifiers throughout the house. So things like that. But interesting findings, no severe allergies to food, some mild allergies to food, but definitely an overactive immune system due to environmental allergies. And so as a result of that, we're just trying to keep that to a minimum, um, keep our air quality really pure as much as we can, as well as um, try to avoid anything that could be causing inflammation in my gut or in my body and my immune system. Now, speaking of gut, um, that was another thing we looked into, gut health. And I actually really had that full evaluation done in between pregnancies. And so although I got most of those results back once I already had found out, or I think I actually got most of those results back the day before I found out I was pregnant a second time. So I had already started to make some changes and tried to keep those changes consistent throughout the second pregnancy. But again, I hadn't really learned 
how to eat um, to support my gut at that point. I just knew what I shouldn't be eating, but I wasn't really nourishing myself very well. Like I felt like I was just being super restrictive, which I'll get into in a second. Um, But gut health is really important because it can affect pretty much every other area of your health is what I've come to learn. Um, Testing showed that I had um, just my gut health just wasn't ideal. Um, Sometimes you can get an overgrowth of bad bacteria in your gut. Um, I think it's known as candida or at least that's like like a type of yeast that everyone has in their gut but if it's if you eat a lot of sugar or drink a lot of caffeine or these other inflammatory foods that I mentioned the way I understand it is that can cause an overgrowth of that which can lead to things like leaky gut or um, IBS or things like that so um, leaky gut can occur along with several other chronic diseases and gluten can actually increase leaky gut if you have a gluten sensitivity. So I've been really focusing on changing my diet to help with this. And I've actually really noticed significant improvement, not only in how I feel, but also in my skin. I don't think I even realized a year ago I was chronically bloated. Like I would always feel bloated after I ate. Now I actually just said to Matt last week, I was like, I just realized I haven't been bloated in like two or three months. This is so, I mean, bloated outside of, you know, when I was pregnant, but just in this recovery process, even the last two or three months, I've not experienced bloating like I used to. And so I, that, I noticed that. And then I also noticed my skin has almost completely cleared up. I used to have these really chronic, I mean, all the time I would get these really deep cystic acne breakouts. Um, and I, like during my adult years, for two or three years that was happening. And once I've made a lot of these nutrition changes, I haven't had a cystic acne flare-up in like months. It has been crazy nice. I mean, it happened after, shortly after the second loss just because my hormones were going wacky. But just in general, over the last few months, I've not had that at all, especially before a period. I used to get it a lot. So I think that's a good sign, but I just noticed that huge improvement and that has been really um, encouraging. The last thing we looked into was just overall vitamin and micronutrients. And some of the things we found were just some basic things that we're working on. But um, I had low vitamin D levels and I also showed to have some like lower iron levels. So this is just, again, another thing that we're working on with quality nutrition. So after all that testing, that's a lot. (laughs) It has been a lot. And a lot of those tests you have to do multiple times. So it's not just like one test and then that's your answer. A lot of them you have to do every four weeks or every eight weeks to get a really full picture. So that's why this process can take a long time because one test could show like, oh, this might be a clue. And then you follow it up again eight weeks later and you're like, never mind. That was just, you know, your body was adjusting after a loss or whatever. So that is kind of one of the very frustrating and (laughs) ongoing aspects of this whole thing. But after all that testing, my focus now is to just be intentional in helping my body heal and trying to give myself grace and space to get there. Because really, honestly, intense grief, insane hormones, and two pregnancies back to back does a number on a body and on a heart and on a mind. And I'm just trying to allow myself time to get through that emotionally and physically. I, like I said, got pregnant pretty quickly after the first one. And There's now the general rule of thumb that they found data to show that you actually could be fine to get pregnant pretty quickly after a loss. But when I ended up losing the second one, I don't, I think I ended up kind of double grieving because I had such little time in between them. And then I have had to kind of walk through two due dates still without a baby. I mean, it's just a lot. And so there's that piece as well as my body just needs time to, to heal. It's gone through two pregnancies and two losses and had some invasive procedures done and just different things that I think it needs some space to heal. And so I'm trying to take that space. And I also don't 
want my goal of getting healthier to just be about getting pregnant again, although that is certainly a desire, I've had to take a step back to realize that this can't just be about getting the outcome I want because I think then I'll get really obsessive and almost probably unhealthy about it. It has to be about the process and about building a healthier body, mind, and lifestyle for the long term. So moving forward, here's a few things we're focusing on. One, I'm giving myself some time to heal, like I said, before conceiving again. Since I got pregnant so quickly after the first loss, my body does need that time to heal as well as implement those lifestyle changes and really make that a true lifestyle, which I think is really starting to happen now, but it takes time to build that. So all that said, today I'm thankful for my youth. I'm thankful that there's not like a ticking time clock quite, you know, it doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I only have one year. I have some time. And I'm trying to be thankful for that as much as my desires make me feel like I'm in a rush because I should have a baby right now or I should be about to have a baby right now and I have neither. So it's this like my desires would love to be pregnant again tomorrow, but I'm trying to look at the big picture and realize we've got plenty of time and um, let's give my body the time it needs so that it's really ready and prepared in the future. Second thing that we're really doing, like I mentioned, cutting out inflammatory foods. Since I seem to have something, although minor, going on with my immune system, with these antibodies, I'm taking some time to really focus on nourishing my body. And I've cut out, like I said, dairy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, and grains to really help my gut and help heal my gut and balance my hormones, which I think we've pretty much accomplished at this point. And now it's just about sustaining it. I've also focused on eating whole, clean, nourishing foods at regular times throughout the day to do things like manage blood sugar and keep hormones balanced and really nourish my body. I've been reading um, a book called Woman Code. Highly recommend you get yourself a copy. And I'm working with a dietitian to focus on making sure that every single meal and every plate has a good balance of proteins, fibers, which is fruits and veggies, and healthy fats. I think for a little while when I was like, okay, I can't have dairy, I can't have gluten, I can't have sugar, like all these things that I was kind of you know, in essence, cutting out when I first learned about some of this gut stuff, um, you know, shortly after I did the first round of testing in between the losses, um, I was just kind of eating things that were like sugar-free, but had like other types of sweeteners or gluten-free, but had other fillers. And I was still just like not thinking about nourishing. I was just thinking about eliminating. And so I became very restrictive for a while and it felt really unhealthy and like not life-giving. I just... there's a difference between like cutting things out and being restrictive versus cutting things out, but really nourishing yourself. And so I've really had to shift my mindset. And that's why I'm working with um, a, a nutritionist that actually specializes in reproductive health to make sure it's about nourishing my body and balancing my hormones to help my body heal itself and function at its best overall, not just for the sake of carrying a pregnancy. Although, like I said, that's absolutely a goal and a desire. Um, another thing that we're doing is implementing consistent morning and evening routines, rhythms, and sleep patterns. I'm trying to get a minimum of seven to eight hours of sleep every single night. Sleep is so important and key to overall health. And it's something that I haven't always been very good about being consistent about in years prior. You know, when you're young, I think we think we're invincible and can run on three hours of sleep and double shots of espresso. But that lifestyle is long gone for this mama on a mission. And creating routines and rhythms has really helped my body give the space and time it needs to rest and be restored. And this is something Matt and I are doing as a team. Every morning we have a routine. Every evening we have a routine. And we're trying to get on those regular sleep patterns as much as possible, but also grace-based because we're not robots. So (laughs) trying to just, you know, work on that, just getting consistent rest and doing that intentionally. Another thing that I'm learning to do, and it's a process, it's a work in process, but or work in progress, but working on something called cycle syncing with my business schedule as much as possible. Um, 
This is something I read a little bit about in that book, Woman Code. But if you don't know what cycle syncing is, you can listen to the episode with Barry on Barry called Everything You Need to Know About Your Period. It will blow your mind. It's so helpful. But this is where I first learned about this. And I've been trying to slowly implement it into my business and work schedule. So not only am I eating foods based on where I'm at in my cycle, because that's actually a thing. There's certain nutrients your body needs more or less of in certain parts of your cycle, which is really interesting. But I'm also working to schedule my days and tasks according to what phase my cycle is in and where my energy levels are. So the goal is essentially with this to work with my body's natural rhythm, not against it. Another thing that we're doing is making the shift toward non-toxic products and checking things in our home like water and air quality. And this has been a process, um, but we've been slowly making um, the change and swapping products that contain toxic chemicals with more natural ones. FYI, though, this is something I didn't know. A lot of products that claim to be natural or green or plant-based still have toxic chemicals in them. So make sure you do your research and check your products on an app like Think Dirty or EWG. I've been switching out. Um, I've been switching to brands like Seventh Generation um, for things like detergents, laundry detergents, dish detergents, things like that, and then Primally Pure for skincare, deodorant, and Crunchy for makeup. So a couple different options, but these are really great natural products without all of the chemicals that would disrupt my hormones and overall health. Another thing that we're doing, which may sound a little bit more woo-woo, but I think it's better to be safe than sorry, is we're trying to limit screen time and exposure to EMFs as much as possible. EMFs stand for electromagnetic frequency, um, and that's what our devices put off, our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our computers, our cell towers, all these things that we're just surrounded by that generations prior had not been surrounded by. And because we really don't know yet how much our electronics and EMFs can affect our, our health at a cellular and reproductive level, I'm really just trying to be mindful of limiting my exposure. There's some research out there that shows it absolutely affects us. Some will argue that it doesn't. And we just don't know what these industries don't want us to know yet or may not want us to know. Maybe it's totally fine and it's okay. But I just wonder, like, I'm like, you know, I wonder if back when smoking was something that everybody did and everybody always had a cigarette in their hand until, you know, we actually kind of unveiled that, oh, this is actually probably not the best thing for us. Um... I kind of wonder if it's that way with cell phones right now. Like, are we seeing, are we living in the age where like everybody has this in their hand all the time and it's just accepted as normal, but it's newer. So there's only so much research on it. And in 20 or 30 years, will we all be like, well, crap, I wish I would have known, you know? So again, trying to just limit that exposure in simple ways, especially because I work online, I'm on a device regularly. So doing things like hiring team members to help take some of that workload off my plate so I don't have to be on devices as much. Um, plugging in our phones and putting them on airplane mode downstairs at night and not sleeping by them with them anywhere by our bed or our room. Um, you know, talking on the phone on speakerphone so that it's not up next to our ears or not holding it near our, you know, our our torsos or anything too close to our body and avoiding that body contact, limiting time that we're actually on our devices during the days as much as we can, taking even a day off pretty regularly every week or a long, you know, lo large part of the day off um, on the weekends. Just ways to kind of limit that exposure are some things that we're really working on, not only for our mental health, but also for our physical and reproductive health as a whole. So 
that's what our next steps really look like. We're not in a hurry, you know, for anyone who's like, what are you going to try again? I have no idea (laughs) when my heart and my body are ready. And I'm thankful to have my youth. And that is one blessing I'm trying to see in the midst of all of this, that we do have time. Don't want to put it off too long, but I think the last time I kind of rushed into it again and then had to kind of grieve and heal from double losses and back-to-back double whammy. And that is a lot. So I'm just trying to breathe and take a minute and heal. Now, if there's anything I've learned through this journey, it's that sometimes you can do everything, you know, in air quotes, right. And things can still go wrong because that's life. And I look at my, you know, overall life and I'm like, yeah, I was on the go. Yes, I was drinking a lot of caffeine. Sure. There were things I were do I was doing that weren't perfect. Um, but in an overall sense, I wasn't doing anything incredibly detrimental either, you know? And so that's why I'm like, I I can't blame myself. Are there some things I can be doing to optimize my health and to create a more sustainable lifestyle and things like that and slow down and kind of use this as a boot camp season to do that? Yes, absolutely. But if I look back, I'm like, I still had started to make some of those changes prior to the second loss. And we even did some things like supplement with progesterone and all these different things. Um, and things can still go wrong, you know? And so, and they still did go wrong. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around the reality that that's life. And in that, I want you to just hear me say this, that it's not your fault and it's not my fault. And it's just, it's just not. There are some pretty crappy things that can come our way. And sometimes even our best efforts won't prevent it. And that is also what I'm trying to make peace with in my mind as I make these changes or as I, you know, do certain things to optimize my health or look into answers. I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact of like, I could do all these things. We could do all the treatments. We could take the baby aspirin and do the low dose, you know, blood thinners. And I could be nourishing my body for six months prior to getting pregnant and take the right kind of prenatals based on MTHFR and all this stuff. And it could still end up cause, I could still end up having a loss of due to chromosomes or something else. Like there could still be something that goes wrong. Even if I try to wrap my hands around everything that could possibly be a risk factor and fix it. Right. And that's, I think, what is so maddening. It's like, wow, okay, cool. I have these clues and I can do these few things and I will, but something could still go wrong. And I think before I try to rush into another pregnancy, there's a part of my mind that has to come to terms with that. And that's what I'm working on. And I'm just trying to remember, like, we may be the main character and we can do our best with what we have control of, which I absolutely believe we should do. But God is ultimately writing the story. And sometimes I don't like the story he writes. Sometimes I don't get it. But it's true in family building and business building and life building and everything else. And like I said, sometimes I don't like that. Most of the time I don't like that until I look back and see it afterwards. I want to be in control. I don't get why certain things happen or why God would even let certain things happen or not happen. The math just doesn't compute in my mind. And I've had a really hard time with accepting that this year. But my point is this. If you find yourself in a similar situation, busting your butt, trying to do everything you can for an outcome that you're aiming for, it is not your fault if you don't get the outcome that you're working toward when you want it. It might be a really crappy chapter or a crappy two or 10 chapters with seemingly no happy ending in sight. But dang it, I just dare you to believe this with me. The sun is gonna come out and we will find a a way to flourish right here in the middle of the storm because there is so, so much more to our story. I am fighting to believe that and that there is so much still here right in front of us to love and build a life on. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. 
So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content, and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.